Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 114. I I, ca- I entitled this this talk "Love Me Enough to Be Honest with Me," and so you can tell where I'm going to go with this. Love me enough to be honest with me. You know, I think that learning how to love has got to be one of the biggest challenges following Christ. That and forgiving, don't you think? It was, of course, one of his main teachings. You know, when someone asked Jesus, you know, can you sum it up for us, Jesus? Can you tell us what is the most important law or commandment or rule? You know, what is the most important thing? He said, well, you don't really need all the rules. I can sum it up in this simple way. Learn how to love God, learn how to love people, and learn how to love yourself. Yeah. And of course, you know, how do you love God? You love God by loving people and yourself. Now, of course, trouble comes when we are faced with people that we really don't like, or they really hurt us, or we completely disagree with their views or their perspective. Their words, their actions offend us. And uh, then what happens, you know? What happens when someone has really hurt you, for example? Well, division occurs. Division happens. It happens between people. It happens between uh, in marriages and in families and churches and countries. I mean, it's, it's all around us, isn't it? Now, in today's passage, in today's text, Jesus models for us what it looks like to be loving. Now, I should warn you, he offends a lot of people. He gets a lot of people angry. In fact, they find him so threatening, they oppose him so strongly, they want to hurl him off a cliff. Yeah, and it's his first sermon. (laughs) It's his first sermon. His ministry is brand new. Uh, He's just beginning. He's just been baptized, just gone through a time of testing. First thing he does in Luke's gospel, Luke's good news book, he stands up in the synagogue, does a teaching, and immediately what happens is hostility. I just find that fascinating and intriguing that here's the one whose central message is the call to love people. I mean, he really is our model for what love looks like, isn't he? He's walking, talking, living, breathing love. And yet, first teaching he ever gives, people find him infuriating. And and these are people in his hometown. They're angry. And I'll tell you why they're angry. They're basically angry because he corrects their thinking. He tells it like it is. You know, what kind of love is this? People get mad at you. Yeah, Jesus would say sometimes they do. That's what love looks like. Sometimes they get really angry at you. Sometimes when you tell the truth, sometimes when you tell the truth, even when you're loving, people absolutely detest it and hate it. I think it's easy for us to think that the call to love means going along to get along. 
I think that we can think sometimes that, well, if I'm a loving person, that means that people will like me all the time. Absolutely not, Jesus would say. Absolutely not. That's not the way love is. In fact, from Jesus' perspective, um, you can forget about love being a feeling because it really is nothing to do with how you feel. I think if we wait for our feelings to feel loving toward people or affectionate, we're, we're never going to we're never going to get understand the teaching, and certainly we'll never live it. No, for, for Jesus, love is an action. It's a way of living and being in the world. And for him, and also and for the Apostle Paul, it requires truth. It requires honesty. Yeah, and that's the same with the other teaching of forgiveness, by the way. That's a whole other difficult thing to do. And again, it's not based on feeling. It's action. It's always action with Jesus. So today we're going to be looking at one aspect of what it looks like to be a loving person, and that is the need to be truthful. There's many, many ways to get at what it looks like to be loving in our lives, but I'm just going to give you one spiritual sort of tool for your toolbox. And uh, St. Paul uh, has the same teaching in the famous love chapter. He writes, love rejoices in truth. You want to know what love looks like in a relationship or in a dilemma that you're facing or at work? Well, the first thing, it's got to be truthful. It has to be true to you. Whatever else love is, it is truthful. Jesus models this this morning in this passage and in Luke, his first sermon. And also St. Paul writes exactly the same thing to a group of people who were having a lot of trouble getting along. I'm going to start with Paul's uh, famous passage, actually, 1 Corinthians 13. It's a very, very famous passage, oftentimes read at weddings. You know, love is patient, love is kind. Um, yeah. It, th this love passage, 1 Corinthians 13, was written to a group of very gifted people who had terrible time working together because they spent way, way too much time arguing and competing with one another. So Paul writes to his congregation to remind them... So, and again, being honest, he's saying, I know that you have a lot of gifts, but you're absolutely missing the point here. Let me tell you about a more excellent way. And then he goes on to write this beautiful poem about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't envious. And he encourages them to learn another way of living. What Paul calls is, this more excellent way. And he gives some guidelines what this love looks like. And again, nothing to do with feelings of affection, nothing to do with agreeing with people, um, because there's going to be some people we're never really going to like. I mean, that's just the way it is, most of us. I mean, I know there's some people that, you know, are unusual and they like everyone, but it's not been my experience, let's just say that. For many of us, there's going to be people we just really don't 
care for, we don't agree with. And the Apostle Paul and Jesus would say, yep, that's true, but you can always love. Because in the New Testament, love is an action. It's how you live. It's how you behave. It's not based on our emotional reactions. It's a choice. You choose this way of living and being and behaving. And one of the things that guide us when we you know, we're going about our lives and every so often we come upon situations where a relationship or a workplace dilemma or a family dilemma is causing us a lot of emotional distress. And, you know, when you're a follower of Christ, the first thing you're thinking is, well, how would God have me live here? What am I supposed to do? So this is just one of these spiritual tools that you can, for your toolbox, you, you, when you find yourself struggling to love, or forgive for that matter, struggling to relate, struggling, how do I respond to this? St. Paul would say, well, here's one thing that might help as you discern, as you think about your situation, as you pray about your situation, as you meditate on your situation, as you reflect all these words, however, whatever you want to, however you want to word it, the apostle would say, what is true for you? Think about what is true for you. Don't compromise yourself because love rejoices in truth. Be true to yourself. Love is not about compromising yourself. It's not going along to get along. It's not about keeping quiet so you can keep the peace. Love is not ignoring the situation. Love is not avoiding conflict. It is about being truthful. It's about being truthful. I think we can stumble on this teaching because we get confused what love looks like, this more excellent way that the Apostle Paul speaks about. What does love look like in a committee meeting where there are power plays? And there you are, you're sitting, watching people in your committee meeting, and you know that there's a lot of power plays going on. Or what does it look like when you have a selfish spouse that really is going to do what he or she pleases regardless of what you think or anyone else in the family? What does love look like there? That takes some sorting out, doesn't it? What does love look like with a spoiled child that is bringing a lot of distress and stress to the family? that takes some working out. Or what about if you work with a boss that lacks wisdom? I mean, many of us have had that, right? That's a tough one, isn't it? Or you watch a friend that's choosing a path that you know is going to lead to a lot of pain. Or what if you have an elderly parent or a relative that's way too demanding? What does a more excellent way look like? See, these are all challenging areas, aren't they? 
And uh, but this is this is this is where we this is where we find it difficult to learn how to love. And and this is what's called for. What does it look like? Paul would say, okay, first of all, let's just start with being honest with yourself. What does it look like? And you just try that on. What does it look like in your situation to begin to be truthful with yourself? Now, let's get back to Jesus. I told you about his first sermon and uh, getting everyone annoyed. You know, Jesus is our example of living, walking, breathing love. So it's always good to look to him as our model. He is our model, right? Here's what's, ha- here what ha- here's what's happening in, in the passage in Luke 5, 4 it is. He's preaching in his hometown, first sermon ever. His listeners are impressed with his teaching. In fact, they're actually amazed at his gracious words. It's his hometown, he grew up with these people, he knows them, and while they're flattering him because they, you know, think that, wow, this is, this is amazing teaching, Jesus reads the room and says to them, I know you want me to do miracles here like I did in Capernaum, and I'm not doing it. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You want me to do miracles here, and that's not why I am here. You know, from Jesus' perspective, he was never interested in impressing people uh, or just wowing people. He wasn't a magician, you know. He wasn't interested in wowing people with miracles just for the sake of it. Miracles were done to show God's compassion. It was nothing about showing off. It was really nothing about calling attention to himself. So when he starts to preach in his hometown and it's his first sermon, he says to all these local people, listen, I know that you've heard about all the miracles I've done. I'm not doing that here. I'm not doing it. So he rejected the expectations of his audience. And not only that, he corrected their thinking. And that's the part that got them really annoyed. He says, I'm not here to do what you think I should do. I need to be true to what I believe I am called to do. And he corrects their understanding. Now, it's set in a context. Um, very, very briefly, he said, uh, look, there were, there were many, many people who were healed of, there were many people who had leprosy, but only Naaman was the one who was actually healed. And there were many widow, widows at the time of Elijah, but she was the one that got uh, the miracle of the, uh, her son was raised up. And remember, that was the story. It was a great story about the, the oil jug that never ran out and the meal that never, ever went dry. It was a great story. Don't have time to go into it. But the point was, he was saying, Naaman and the widow were the ones that got the miracles. And you know what? They're the very ones that you, the audience, would never, ever approve of. Because Naaman and the widow weren't even Jewish. 
He's basically saying to them, it's, a, it's kind of a subtle roundabout way of saying, look, you're all for God being compassionate, and you're all for God doing miracles, and you're all for God doing great things, but you want it for just, just for people like you. As soon as it's extended out to people like Naaman or people like the widow, who is wrong faith, wrong religion, uh, wrong country, you, you're not interested at all in that. You're not interested at all. You want God to do what you want God to do. And I am not here to do that. He read their motives correctly because when he corrected their thinking, basically saying God's a lot more compassionate you ever, ever give God credit for and a lot more interested in people just like yourselves. He read their, their motives correctly because when he did correct them, they're so furious they want to throw them off a cliff. They're so offended. It's a great example of honesty. It's a great example of the honesty that Jesus modeled. Love doesn't fake niceness. Love doesn't pretend to agree. Love doesn't do what someone else wants just because someone else wants it. Love is true and love is honest. And St. Paul was another example you know, he was very blunt too. When he spoke to his congregation who were fighting all the time, did the same thing. He never backed away from speaking his mind, St. Paul. In fact, his mouth got him into trouble quite a few times. Uh, in that First Corinthians 13 passage, it's the same thing. He's basically saying to them, you've lost the plot. You've lost the plot, Corinthians. You know, you're, you're, yeah, are you gifted? Sure you are. But you haven't even learned the basics. You don't even know how to love one another. You don't even know how to get on with each other. You've never learned the most important thing, the more excellent way. You know, how many, how many marriages would have been saved with a little more honesty? How many people wouldn't feel so used and put upon with a little more honesty in the relationship. Paul's line is speaking the truth in love. How many relationships would experience true reconciliation with a frank, honest discussion? Yeah, many times relationships start to falter when honesty is compromised. Either someone doesn't want to listen to what's true or they won't even discuss it. How important, the scripture's teaching, and how important to learn how to speak our truth. Certainly not easy, but that's what we see both St. Paul and Jesus doing in their own way and in their own different styles, right? So I just think it's worth considering as we look at the complexities of our own life, to ask that question as we're sorting things through. Am I being honest with myself? Am I being true to myself? You know, sometimes when you're true to yourself, you, you end up thinking, you know, I can't even stay in, I can't even stay in this relationship anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm compromised so much. I have to just be so quiet or it breaks down. I, I, I can't, I'm not doing this anymore. 
I mean, that happens. Does love allow you to exit? It absolutely does, yes. Yeah. I mean, this is what love looks like. Am I loving well or am I just keeping quiet? There is quite a difference between these two states. Loving well and just keeping quiet. And, you know, like all things, you know, in our spiritual lives, whether it's a matter of forgiving someone or whether it's a matter about learning how to love someone or all these things are incremental for the most part. You know, for the most part, we were learning how to love. It's usually not one day we find a situation or a person extremely difficult and then the next day you know, we, we're learning how to love to the point where it doesn't bother us anymore. It usually doesn't work that, that way. It's usually in increments, you know. We get an aha moment. We get a little bit insight into ourself. You know, we have a little epiphany into what is true. And then we make an adjustment of some kind or a choice. We adjust our words. We adjust our behavior. And we sort of work toward what is loving. Um, for many of us, it takes time. Yeah, we have to learn how to love ourselves too, don't we? And give ourselves some time. It seems to be the way that God works with us. You know, someone will come to our mind or a situation will come to our minds. Maybe a list of people will come to our minds. Maybe a hurt. Maybe a fence, an offense that's taken place at some time in the past and you think, oh, I think I'm getting some insight into how I can learn how to be more loving here. And any movement in the right direction is good movement, isn't it? But one thing that's important, I think, is we see modeled by Jesus in his first sermon. And also the same thing, modeled by Paul, when he looks at his congregation and they're all fighting and they can't get on, truth was a major tool that helped Jesus make his decision what to say and do and also helped St. Paul make his decision on what to say and do. So when, when you think about the situations that you find yourself in today or a situation you find yourself in today, and you're sort of pondering about, you know, you're thinking about, well, what does love look like for me today with, name that person or that particular situation, as, you're, as, as that person comes to mind or you're thinking about it, it's like, okay, well, what is, what is, how does truth play into this? How does truth play into this? You know, it might be getting some insight into how, how you maybe haven't been that true. You know, we can rationalize with ourselves so easily. That's always kind of shocking to me where um, the Spirit of God points out to me an area where I haven't exactly been true. You know, maybe I've been compromising in some way or rationalizing or making excuses for myself, you know. 
And it's like the Spirit comes along and says, no, actually, you, you haven't really been loving. This is what you've been doing. And it's not particularly loving. Yeah, it's a little bit of a shock. But, well, the old word is conviction, right? That's the, the old word is the conviction of the Spirit of God. We might word it differently, but that's basically what it is. It's like, yeah, the word is living and active as any two-edged sword, meaning God corrects. Does God correct us? Absolutely, yes. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And if we're open to it, it's always for our good. It is always for our healing. So when we think about love, think about truth, and see if that helps shed some light on whatever situation you find yourself in, that you think, oh, I, I think I need to be more loving here. What does truth look like? There's the prayer. There's the prayer. God, help, help me to know, help me to know what truth looks like. You know what I'm thinking about. You know my dilemmas. You know what I've been wondering about. You know what I've been asking you about. Show me what truth looks like so that I can start to act on this. Yeah, there you go. There's, there's the answer, isn't it? It's a little piece of the answer. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.